0: Welcome to the Humanize IT Podcast. And today we're starting a brand new series called Common Business Questions. And today's question is, is technology advancement predictable? So each week here for the next four weeks, we're gonna be talking about different questions that Skip and I hear commonly amongst businesses and how to best answer them. So this podcast is directly focused on talking to you the CEO to you the business owner and sometimes the the director of a IT division so is technology advancement predictable and this is a tricky question because it used to not be but today we look at technology and it is very predictable and largely this all this this original topic came with Moore's law So if you Google Moore's law right now, you find out that there used to be this law in IT where we would double speeds or double the number of transistors every two years. Things were moving that fast.
1: Early on, I think it just kind of, it wore people out, you know, they would, they would make an (laughs) investment in technology and uh, they would see great gains from it. But then, you know, just a few years later, I mean, 18 months, two years down the road, they're like, oh, wow, it's already obsolete. I just bought that. And and that created a lot of, um, I don't know, just a, a hesitancy uh, to invest in technology in some aspects because people were were feeling that they were, were going to be wasting their money on something that would be obsolete yeah. so quickly.
0: And, you know, it's to the point where, like, a lot of IT departments would depreciate their assets immediately. There was no depreciation schedule for a server or an IT asset. It was just an immediate depreciation of yep. zero. And that was because technology just kept going and kept getting faster. And like, yep, in two years, this $30,000 server is going to be worth nothing. You just had to accept it. Yep. Skip, have you ever thrown away a server you spent an ungodly I amount have, of money I have, on?
1: I have, I have. And I have another story. Maybe I'll, I'll tell it or maybe not. But <laughs> I, I've s- sat with a group of guys and we had this pile of of very high-quality, relatively new server chassis uh, stacked up on the floor of uh, the shop and, uh, where I was at, and they'd just come out of the data center and been replaced by some bright, shiny new stuff, and, and we were all standing around wondering, hey, what are we going to do with these servers? And, and they weren't bad. They weren't necessarily that old, and... You know, but we, we couldn't really come up with a good use for them because they were, they were just old enough that their time had elapsed. Uh, but, you know, we look at it from a technology perspective and we still see the horsepower that was in them. And, um, and we, we, you know, we didn't, didn't find a good way to capitalize on that because they were, they were just old enough to, to pass, pass over the edge, over the heel, you know
0: yeah yeah i mean it it is sad to like see something that you remember installing and being all excited about and just realizing that it just doesn't cut it anymore yeah like i know at one company i worked at we had to get rid of a bunch of foundry switches They are good brocade switches that that we were going to get rid of because we were moving into a nexus environment and so what do we do with these hunt literally hundreds of switches and so uh, a couple of us came up with a great idea that we we're going to make a, a uh, admin network out of them. Yeah. We would lock them down, make them very tight in their own network. So we had enough switches to make a second network at this large company. So we did. Yep. And they went on the bottom of the stacks in all the, all the cabinets. And they faced the back. So we will plug in all of the ILO cards that we need to administer. And so we always had a back door into any server. And it was great. And, but like, this is hundreds of thousands of dollars uh-huh, of equipment yep. just sitting there, and you don't want to just toss it in the dumpster.
1: But is it really worth you know, using? Yeah, yeah.
0: And so, how does this how does this go into to predictability? Is that now largely the driving force behind retiring hardware is just um, attenuation or uh, maintenance contracts? Yes. I mean, circuits eventually start to wear down. Boards crack, and natural wear and tear happens. But we're not buying because we need something faster or better. We're buying because it's just old. And that's a new problem in yeah. IT. <laughs>
1: and, and I think it's good, though, because it allows us to really get back to what's important. I mean, why do you need that piece of technology? I mean, it can be you know a camera or a... A laptop, whatever it is, it doesn't really matter. Uh, but you need to think about why do you need it. And when you can come up with business needs to directly tie to the, that technology, it makes it much more relevant. And you can understand what you're spending on it and what you're going to get out of it. And even if something new comes down the road, you know, uh, a year or two years later, you'll still have a really, really good understanding of why you bought that technology, what it's doing for you, and a great um, decider, you know, something to determine whether you need to replace it or not. And, and so, you know, I think the slowing of the technology pace is going to, to some extent, accelerate our, our real adoption of technology and get us out of this buying technology for technology's sake Uh, because we've just been able to get benefits on the fringe. You know, we bought something really fast. And so without understanding what it was going to speed up, we got faster results in doing things. Uh, But now if if we go and spend the money in a particular area, we're going to be able to identify much, much better the benefits that we're going to receive from that technology. So I'm excited about that. And a little bit of slower pace. Maybe it's because I'm getting old. I don't know. (laughs) We'll throw that out there. We're we're old. We're old. I have to throw that out there. But I I do uh, enjoy the the aspect now of being able to better align the technology with the needs that we're trying to accomplish.
0: Yeah. And we were just talking about that before we started recording this podcast is that, you know, I'm looking at the Moore's Law transistor schedule. So there's like these little graphs out there to show you... um, you know, what? when a processor came out or when a piece of technology came out that used new or met the Moore's law um, mechanic. And, you know, you notice that now we're getting specific use technology. So it starts off with just a Pentium 4 processor or a Pentium 2 processor. And then by the end, by 2016 or so, looking at this graph, I can see that it's really starting to spread out and sprawl into these specific use cases and the reason for that is because now we're solving business problems. Like before, it was like, how fast can we make a processor? Faster is better. Yep. And now it's like, well, we've, we don't need faster. We're barely tapping the use of our existing processors. What we need is technology that solves business problems. And you can see that the industry is focusing on that now. As you look out there and see what technologies are available, they've got their little narrow lanes and what problems they're solving for a company. And that is a, as Skip said, is a good thing because now instead of predicting, will there be a Pentium Five next year? And I know that's a twenty-year-old question, <laughs> yeah. but uh, will there be a Pentium Five next year? You're thinking, you're thinking. Okay, I have this business problem, and if the solution comes out next year, maybe I wait for another year to make sure it gets baked in well, and then I adopt it. So you've got like a year or two of runway to think about new technology versus 20 years ago when we started thinking about technology, we were like, okay, um, I just need this to be faster because faster means more queries done, more queries done means more money in my back pocket, more clients handled. So when I think when I say queries, I'm talking about your banking transactions. I'm talking about customers coming in, requesting things from your portal or submitting requests. That's all based on CPU time. How fast can your processor uh, Get that and then hand it off to you. Nowadays, I mean, I look at my processors on my my PC here yeah. would crush anything pre-2013. Yeah. Not no question. And that's just talking about my graphics card. <laughs> you know, I'm sitting here and I look at my computer and I'm like, I'm not even using 2%. Yeah. And I do a lot of heavy work on this computer. I do a lot of Adobe rendering. I do a lot of uh uh, work with um, massive uh, audio files when I'm doing my Audacity and I'm doing my podcast renderings, and I I kind of take it for granted like how quick this stuff happens today because it used to be that it was a struggle to render one image in OpenGL or a graphics. Yeah. Screen. Oh, you get up and go do something. Nowadays, else. I can I can render an entire video of Skip and I chatting, or I can re- render an entire audio file in under five minutes. Yeah. That's insane, people. Mm-hmm. In college in 98, 99, I would go to lunch while rendering a single image because it took that long for my computer to do the calculations. Yep. I would go get lunch and come back because I had a half an hour before that one image would be done. And so, for those companies, investing in better and te- faster technology as soon as it came out was a huge game changer. Nowadays, we don't have that problem. That's a problem of the past, something we talk about in our problems of the past episodes. Yep. But today, it's like, what problem do I want to solve?
1: And that, I think that really, you know, frees people up. It, uh, you know, and we'll talk about this a little bit more in some later episodes. But, you know, people look, what do I buy and how much do I spend? Uh, well, the, the first, you know, step in that, that journey is, you know, what do you need that technology to do? And, you know, if, if you're needing, um, you know, to, to be able to, to render video, you know, you need to develop uh, an understanding of what or have, you know, someone on your team develop an understanding of the technologies that are available so you find, you know, the feature set that you need. But if you're needing to just... You know, run a, a what we'd call, you know, a fairly standard line of business application, your options are, are pretty broad out there, and your requirements see you know, the technology requirements for that are fairly low. And so, I, I think um, it has it is making it much, much easier for us to match, you know, the needs with the technology uh, that's out there, and, and we're getting much longer life cycle out of that. So, uh, I'm still a big proponent of you know, having a life cycle maintenance uh, going on. And and I say that and I kind of laugh at myself because, yes, I used a primary workstation uh, for pretty much 10 years. Okay. So uh, I I went kind of counter to what my normal advice would be, but it was a project for me as well. So that's kind of an abnormality. But unless you want to make all your stuff a project, uh, you know, and spend a lot of extra time on it. You know, I think being able to identify the goals and uh, being able to say, "Hey, we're we're gonna we're gonna invest in this technology, and we're gonna put a three or a four year um, time frame on it, and and we're gonna replace yep. it simply because it is old." You know, and and we want to force ourselves to go through this process again to re-identify the goals and the technology needs that are out there, and to make sure that we're, we have the, the tools in-house that are going to be as reliable and resilient uh, as, as they possibly can so that we're actually able to achieve our goals. And so, you uh, know, a long way to saying, yes, I'm, I'm still a big proponent of that regular cycle of, of upgrading, um, but, you know, maybe those cycles are a little bit longer. Maybe those investments are a little less now, uh, maybe we don't need to reach so far down the, uh, the performance scale as we used to, you know, because we used to try to buy almost as the fastest thing that was available. You know, the, we wanted yeah. to be, what was the saying? I don't want to be bleeding edge, I don't, but I do want to be cutting edge. Right. Uh, you know, yes. you wanted to, to get so far because you knew that uh, it was going to be a short time frame and that technology was going to quickly start reaching obsolescence. And now I don't think we have to reach so far out towards that cutting edge sort of deal. I think we can make more comfortable investments and even stick with those investments a little bit longer. But the, the process now I see is much more methodical. You know, how far do we need to reach uh, along for that performance uh, increase? Uh, we have, you know, I think more more data more information to help us make those the decisions and and then we also can give ourselves a little bit of slack in saying you know maybe i can save just a few dollars and go down one step in this you know processor class or whatever because in all likelihood i'm not going to need an upgrade here in a pretty short time frame and so those things help drive those conversations of what do you need to do? What do you need to invest in to keep your technology current and and progressing?
0: Yeah, and to segue off of that, like that's kind of the whole point of the cloud series that we just finished up a few weeks ago is that it's so predictable that companies are making money off of it. Yeah. So you can outsource your model to the cloud and host on the cloud because they can predict the growth that they have enough that they can bill you in advance for what they're doing while pulling a profit. And that is something that is is often overlooked from a business strategy standpoint, is that people are able to predict to the point that they are able to make money off of the market. And that's when you know things are stabilizing. Yeah. And so you look at, can you predict technology for your company? Yes. The caveat to that is you still need a good technical mind to look down the road and look at your projects that you have and be able to say, will our technology solve these problems that we have on our roadmap for the next two years? And so that somebody looks at the trajectory of your small business, your medium-sized business, and say, do you have the technology in place? Probably. Now, is there something out there that could help solve some of these problems for you? Probably. Probably. Let's look into it. Is it something that's gonna change rapidly? Probably not. Hardware is stable, people. Uh, Well, the only thing that's gonna change is a new feature on a piece of software that you would like. That's about it. So when it comes to predicting, sit down with your technology professional and show them your business roadmap so that they can say, here's the technology that is available. When would you like to implement it? And if they go and say, well, I don't know. I don't know what's going to be out next year. Eh, You know, they might just not be a good fit for you. If they sit down and say, okay, well, something could come out next year, but for the most part, here's what's available. Here's what we can implement in the next 12 months to 24 months that will solve your, your problems you're having with these projects. Most of you out there do not have to deal with large computing capacity projects. You are a unique beast if you're in that marketplace. Yep. You're using uh, some kind of massive backend service and you know who you are. <laughs> and this this, this advice is not applied yep. to you. But for you small businesses, medium-sized businesses, people that are operating in companies less than 100 people, chances are you just need to sit down with your technology people, show them your project roadmaps, and decide with them what technology over the next three years is going to need to be implemented to grow with those. And now it's all in the business manager's hands. And that's the beauty of having this predictability is that now you can do that versus 2004, 2002 even. If you said to your technology people like, here's my business roadmap for the next three years, what technology is gonna be available to solve these problems It'd be like, I don't know. Man, they just came out with the Pentium 3s. They're going to come out with the Pentium 4s soon. Yep. Um, I'm sure there's going to be a Pentium 5 down the road, which there wasn't. It went over to the duos. And now then, you know, what's the server class is going to do? They might completely switch their models. We don't know. I cannot predict out three years. Now you can. Yep. Now you can predict a schedule of three years. Because we can look back at the last 10 and realize that not much changed. We are very stable. So that means, again, sound like a broken record here, business people, take your project roadmaps and sit down with an IT strategist, somebody who knows IT, and can sit down and talk them through with you, and you can predict what technology you're gonna need to buy, what aspects of the cloud you need to migrate to, and what software is needs to be in yep. place. And it's it, it can be done. You just need somebody who knows that world to identify the opportunities for you.
1: And and so we're, uh, we're out of the panic mode, I think. And I feel that we, we've had these episodes in the past where, you know, sometimes we, we feel like we, we need to make a decision right now because we're at a sweet spot with price and performance. And if we wait just, you know, six weeks into this, then that sweet spot disappears and you know now we're you know not getting quite the the performance we could for the price or we have to spend more to get the performance you know and it, it created a bit of that panic decision making environment and I think we're out of that but I, I don't want us to, slip and say oh, okay well I don't need to think about that you know we'll, we'll just push that off to next quarter next year whatever we'll decide later now you still need an ongoing process uh, again because this is going to keep you sharp this is going to keep your your technology resources focused on your business needs so you still need to go through this but yes I, I think we can breathe a little easier and we can plan a little better and if, if you don't have those conversations with your technology team, you know, you need to fire those up. If they aren't very productive, then you might need to reach out and find some additional resources so that you can go through these processes of technology and business alignment. This is where we're going to see the value. It used to be we'd see the value in increasing processing time. You know, again, just because everything ran faster, so faster was better. You know, we would do that. today the better we align this technology and business connection here that that better alignment is going to produce the value that's going to drive your business strong you may you may look at this and go you know it's not so much that i need faster processors i need more processors because i'm going to push out these applications into these different areas where I don't have, maybe I don't have a workstation here. Maybe I don't have an internet of, uh, you know, an internet of everything sort of device here, collecting data. But I can now. The, the price point has dropped. Um, you, you may look at, at deploying very low capacity technology. You know, that there's a growing uh, trend. We see it in, in smart devices all around, uh, our houses and it's showing up in our workplaces now. That's not high tech cutting stuff. Some of that, you know, the the voice parts is there, there's a lot of you know new new software around that. But the technology that controls your light switch, that stuff has been around for decades. And so yep. what, what they're producing now, it's just more accessible. We have more of an infrastructure to plug that in. We have better ways to align this. And so it's finding the value in this technology, not necessarily finding the performance in the technology.
0: Yeah, and I think that's a great way to sum things up is that we are now in a world where we're trying not to predict technology. We're just trying to use it more intelligently. What we have today... Use it more intelligently because it's going to be here for a while. We're going to be plateauing. I mean, the radical new things with technology are things like augmented reality and VR. And if that does not interest you at all, you're probably going to stay stable for the next 10 years. Mm -hmm. So be thinking about smarter ways to use your existing technology, talking to your IT professional about that and aligning your strategy with technology because it's predictable now and if you do that you're going to be way more successful than competitors on the market because they're all trying to just still play that safe and hold the cards closer to their chess game whereas you're going to be working with your it department to come up with solutions that already exist that can augment your business strategy and take you to the next level I thank Skip for coming on today. This has been a good topic. I look forward to the rest of this series where we talk about common questions that people are having and answering them and uh, really helping you make more decisions at your business. Thanks.